Hey book friends, this is Corey. Thanks for listening along as we have a book club of two over a cup of tea. Our goal is to explore beloved genres as well as push ourselves out of our comfort zone and explore genres we might typically overlook or avoid. In each episode, we discuss a randomly selected genre. We will be sharing our reading experience and a brief review of the books we recommended to each other from the previous episode. Also a heads up, so that we can have a rich and in-depth conversation, there may be spoilers about the books we are discussing. All right, let's get started. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 6. Today we are continuing our conversation about foodie fiction. Curie's trying to make me laugh while I'm talking. I'm ignoring her right now so that I can get through this in one take. So today is Corey's pick, mine, and it's Kitchens of the Great Midwest by J. Ryan Straddle. Boom. 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 Only two takes. Only two takes. Fine. <laughs> How are you doing? Ugh, I'm glad January's over. Yeah. This will probably be March, actually, when they hear this, but I'm just glad that January is over. Yeah. But I'm okay. Oh, fun thing I learned today. Um, Venus Williams is going to be uh, doing high-altitude training for the next month here. Oh, really? Yeah. Like on the tennis courts? Uh-huh. Oh. If we didn't have to record today, I probably would have stuck around and watched her first practice today. Oh, really? Yeah. Is she practicing at NAU? Uh-huh. Cool. I know. Drawing a crowd. Uh-huh. What made her decide to do high-elevation training? A lot of pro athletes do high altitude training. Well, I know that mostly runners because it helps build their lungs. You run a lot in tennis. I suppose so. A lot of little short bursts. Yeah. We so. had a guy from Ghana that was running for like two years straight. And he was the uh, he was in the Olympics two years ago. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But. Yeah. The um, some soccer teams. I mean, we they actually get quite a few high altitude athletes. The we runners don't are Cardinals pro- anymore. Thank God. That's a whole other story. We'll save that for another time. The stories I have heard, because of course they were living in our residence yeah. halls. Yeah. Not good. My favorite thing that I like to tell about those lazy ass football players is that, um, you know, they're professional athletes doing training and they would have like segways and golf carts to go from the practice fields to the dube center for their meals. That's weird. Instead of walking. You know, I'm like, come privilege. on. Privilege. Come on. Speaking of football, are you going to watch the Super Bowl tomorrow? Nope. Really? Not even for the commercials? Nah. I just watch it because I feel like it's my one time to be really American. (laughs) (laughs) Super Bowl and voting. (laughs) (laughs) I'm with you on the voting. I don't know about the Super Bowl. Like, I mean, I've been to Super Bowl parties and whatnot. I I don't know. I made homemade queso last year. Like... Not from Velveeta, from like real cheese. I like and Velveeta. I had diarrhea for like days, but it was so good. <laughs> <laughs> no, we we're having Robert's parents over as a thank you to celebrate our new oven. Oh. And um, I work at the bookstore and blah, blah, blah. You work all the time. I do work all the time. Yeah. So it goes. But come April, I'll be done teaching until September. So there's that. Whoop, whoop. All right, so what are we drinking and eating today, Miss Curie? So today I brought over Plum Deluxe's January Tea Club blend of sweet chestnut chai. It's pretty sweet. It is sweet. It's chestnutty. It has like I don't know if I know what it's. Yeah, I says I don't know that I know what chestnuts taste like. I'm like I feel like I've had roasted chestnuts, but I don't remember being overly impressed by them. To be it's honest. very hazelnutty. I don't like hazelnuts. 
But you're drinking hazelnut essence right now. <sighs> See, I'm going to change your mind. So this is a black tea with rooibos, cardamom, ginger, clove, cinnamon, apple, which I don't taste at all, cocoa nibs, calendula. They have that listed twice. <laughs> they must be really, I want to make sure um, you just notice it. Hazelnut, chestnut essence, blue cornflowers, which I think is their secret ingredient to all of their teas. I think all of their teas huh. have blue cornflowers in it, at least all the black teas, I Maybe. think. Maybe. I'm going to go searching through my cabinet. I know. We should look through my tea collection, too. I was, uh, what is her name? The Japanese woman about tidying up? Marie Kondo. Yeah, so I was Marie Kondoing it last weekend. <laughs> and I did my whole closet, and I had a naked lady party, and I got rid of a whole bunch of stuff. And then Chris opens the tea cabinet, and he goes, <laughs> maybe you can do that to this. And I'm like, it is organized. It's like the Plum Deluxe section, the Flagstaff Tea Company section, the box teas. <laughs> I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> I think he's suggesting that maybe we have too much tea. I, that's what I was going to say. But I drink it all. So. I did order four more of these sweet chestnut chais because that's how much I liked it. Wow. Okay. And then to pair with this, mm. and because I feel like the book that you picked was more about savory instead of dessert. Except for the bar chapter. Right. But anyways, I overall I would agree with you, yes. I decided to make bacon wrap dates. Which, oh my gravy. They're so good. I housed like four of them in two minutes flat, I think. I, feel, <laughs> I had to limit myself with how much I made because if I made the whole thing of bacon, <laughs> that means we would have had... 14, 15, 16, 18 bacon wrap dates. Wow. And I only brought over half of them because I ate the other half earlier this morning. <laughs> <laughs> they were Whole30 approved, even though I'm not technically doing Whole30 anymore because I ate yeah. bread last night. But, mm. yeah. meh. Meh. Choose well, they were one. tasty. Yeah, if you've not tried a bacon wrap date, um, I like them with a little bit of cheese and an almond in there for more of a Spanish approach. I like them with spicy pecans in the middle. Ooh, that would be good. Yeah. And and we were talking before we started recording, and I was saying, you know, it's funny because I don't like, like, when it comes to sweet and salty, this is kind of, this is the sweet spot for me. <laughs> I Your just puns are hilarious. But, like, for example, I'm really not a fan of, like, like it feels like the trend now is salted chocolate. You know, mm -hmm. before salted caramel, which is still really popular, but to me, there's nothing appealing about chocolate and salt. Yeah, I think it's gross. But the sweet date with the savory, salty bacon, now that I can get on board with. You have to cut him in half. So I used to make oh, bacon wrap dates with your... a full date, oh. and it was too much sweet. And so I do half a bacon slice and half a date, and it's like the perfect mixture. That and is they're bite size. Okay. I, thanks for that tip. You're welcome. Because I wouldn't have picked up on that. But you're right. It was just the right amount mm -hmm. of... It's it, half and half. Mm, because okay. I feel like the date, a whole date is like, it hurts my teeth to eat it because it's so sweet. Right. Like, I feel like it's sometimes sweeter than a candy bar. Oh, it can be. And so with the bacon, because it shrinks mm -hmm. and you lose a lot of that fat, yeah. you have to do halvesies. Mm, so that's okay. the hint for a perfect bacon wrap date. Interesting. There's a uh, little snack thing you can get in the bulk section at Sprouts. Mm -hmm. That's like, uh, it's I think it's just like ground up date rolled in coconut oh, with yeah, an almond on top. And those mm -hmm. are so good. So good. So good. It's a night and they're Whole30 approved. Huh? Not that. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're not supposed to treat it like a dessert. The whole thing about Whole30 <laughs> is like, you don't need fake things. Like you don't need a fake dessert with compliant food. But 
um, bacon wrap dates are like I'm making that for a Super Bowl on party tomorrow. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So you are going to watch the Super Bowl. Well, I mean, I'm going to bring my knitting and I'm going to eat. Okay. I don't really care for football much to my family's <laughs> sadness. Yeah. My sister-in-law is a rabid New England Patriots fan. So I guess just to keep her happy, go Patriots. No. <laughs> they go every year. Yeah. Well, there's a reason. You know, that Tom Brady guy, he's kind of good at his job. <laughs> Except for he's a baby when he loses. Oh, is he? Yeah, he, like, mm. pouts. Oh, jeez. I'm like, you're a 30-something-year-old man. Yeah. Grow up. He's you're also, also married. Getting paid millions of dollars, so right. I don't know what you're complaining about. I did just read an article about how rich Giselle Bündchen and Tom Brady are combined, and it was kind of nauseating. Yeah. I was like, you're both beautiful and have, like... Too much money. Too much money. Yeah. It was like crazy. Yeah. It's like you should just give away it, give it all away. You don't need all anymore. You don't need any more. It's true. Anywho, that would be very socialist of them. And socialist apparently is a bad word. Apparently. Mm. Mm. Should we talk about books? Yes, before we get into a political drama. <laughs> and we lose all our listeners because they're at like, what's we, wrong with you? At least we vote the same. We do. We do. How weird would that be if we didn't? Hmm. We probably wouldn't be friends, honestly. Or at least not good friends. I think you I think we would be. Hmm. Maybe. I've I've I tried think we to would be, argue more. I've tried to be friends with those folk and I just can't wrap my brain around their mindsets. Just saying. Yeah. Anyway, digressing. Anyways, bye guys. Book 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 book. Okay. So I guess I'll start with my initial impressions on the book. I'm yeah. Like, I, I have a sense I know where your impressions are, but I'm waiting to see I if I... I don't I'm... think I've spoiled anything, have I? I haven't. I've stopped, like, rating books on Goodreads because I, I want to, like, leave you hanging until we actually I just rate them talk anyway. about the books. I like to be mysterious. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so here's my... Here's kind of, like, my little three-sentence comments before really digging into the book. It took me a while to get into it. Um... I was like, what is going on? I felt really confused in the beginning, trying to figure out where the heck this was going. And then I kind of realized that's basically a series of short stories that are telling, yeah, <laughs> that are telling this, that would like, as a, as this central character and you're getting snatches of her life story from these peripheral characters that are all having other experiences. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I liked it. Mm. <laughs> See, I was right. You were like, it's a freaking short story she snuck in there. Pretty which much. I, which I didn't know in my defense. I, I did I not know. know. So I would say I agree with the first one. It took me a really long time to get into it, and I almost was like, I'm not going to do this. <laughs> you almost abandoned it. I almost abandoned it. Okay. Secondly, it wasn't his friends, it was his brother. And oh, his brother I thought it was wife. just kind of. But they didn't. But they had two children already. Did they, no, they didn't have any children. Fudged up. You're thinking of, so I, I, I mapped. Now I'm, I might have gotten confused because I okay. didn't like any of them. So I mapped it out. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so here's how it works. So Lars and Cynthia were Eva's parents. Cynthia ran away. Mm-hmm. Lars died. Yeah. Charles and Fiona. Charles is Lars's brother. He had, three, he had two brothers. There was three of them. He was married to Fiona. Fiona's sister, Amy Jo, and Watch Jack had the two kids, Bra- Brock and Randy, who are the cousins to Eva. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 
Eva was essentially adopted by Charles and Fiona, but they never really, but she never knew that until she found her birth certificate. Like they basically were like, you're our child and right. didn't say you're actually my brother's child, which I had a problem with that. Yeah, I did too. I mean, whatever, I guess, you know, people do what they're going to do, but I just thought that was weird that it wasn't like he left her or he was right. a bad person. So to be like, I think it would have, I don't know. I feel like that would have been really a good dynamic in their family to be like, we love, you know, we loved our brother and right. we wanted to take care of you and make you our child when he passed away. Right. It just felt weird. But she knew. Right. But I don't think, she, I don't think. They knew that she knew. Right. It's like a Friends episode. <laughs> They didn't know that she knew that they knew that she knew she was adopted. Right. Yeah. But the cousins knew. Yeah. So that was weird. Yeah. I think the whole book was weird. Well, I agree with that, but it was, no, I would say it was quirky. No. Yes. It was 100% weird. I liked it. Eva, Eva, however you pronounce her it's name. It's probably actually Eva. For... She was just a hot mess. <laughs> like until the end. Mm-hmm. Like, it went from, like, one male figure to another male figure. Which is probably, there's probably a point to that. I know. And it makes sense, given her background or what happened to her. But I just found her so annoying. Like, I found her as a Generation Zer. Well, how, okay. So, I, I hear what you're saying, but we actually only had... Eva's point of view once in the entire book until but the very end. the way end. she interacted with everybody. Like, I made this tomato fancy fucking, whoops, there goes the explicit <laughs> salad. <laughs> and it's the best thing ever. And I'm going to bring a, this to a party and then people are going to hate me because it's so good. And then this one woman is going to get crazy jealous of me. And blah, 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 blah. Like, she felt like she was 12 the whole time. But see, I don't think that... I, I disagree. I think she was more humble than that. Like, she was never, like, seeking the limelight. I feel like she just kind of fell into it because she had this talent with food. You know, she was more like kind of, oh, gee, shucks. I, you know, I just really like fresh ingredients and simple stuff. And then the angry woman, Octavia, was like, you young whippersnapper stealing right. my limelight with your weird beauty and your good food. I hate you. She also felt like 20 years younger than everybody else in the book. Well, she was young. I mean, I think when, so when we jump to that particular vignette, which was one of my favorites, when they were like having these fancy dinners mm -hmm. with these like really shishi, oh, look what I brought, blah, blah, blah. And then the jello salad. Um, yeah. I, I think she was like, I don't know if she was even 20. Well, she must've been at least 21, but she was a baby. Like all those other people that, were in there were probably a good 10 years or so older than her. Yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> I think I rated it at two. Wow. So, well, that's an, that was an, it was okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't even think it was an it's okay. I just didn't believe the storyline. Hmm. And I didn't like that it didn't focus that much on food. See, I thought it focused on food all the way through. I did find the churro and the spicy heat thing interesting, and I was very sad that those got tossed out the bus window. That was, like, my favorite part to, like, to have seen that be implemented mm -hmm. would have been really cool. Right. But then from there on out, I was kind of checked out until all the freaking what's-her-face came back in, and I was like, bitch, you go home. Cindy? Nobody Cynthia? likes you. Yeah. Oh. She's an <laughs> asshole. 
Well, she was, but she was trying to... No. Okay. I... I'm such a cutthroat person. It's like, if you fuck me, I just don't really want to be your friend ever again. Warning. Yeah. Well, it was her mother. I don't know. I was, ro I was rooting for them to reunite. That was actually one of my questions is, what do you think happened next? Because I kind of, at the very, if you recall, at the very end... You know, she has, I think she has a conversation with one of the cousins and they're like, yeah, you're like the third Cynthia, blah, 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 in the last three months that have come forward. Right. But they also, I think, all instinctually knew that she was actually really was the mom. Right. And so I kind of was curious, like, so do they acknowledge that or do they go their separate ways? I think and... they go their separate ways. Pixie's really wanting to be part of the show today, so we might hear you might hear her fussing or whining or licking Carrie's face. <laughs> she just wants love. All the time. It, oh, all the time. <laughs> it's so hard being Pixie. Um, I think that she, Eva mm -hmm. probably is going to take a chapter from her mom's book and not care. Mm, probably. But she also has no family at this point. So I could also see her going, I mean, outside of her cousins, right? Right. So I could also see her being like, this is my chance to have a parent back in my life. She was never really family oriented. Even when she was a teenager, I felt like mm. she didn't really care. Oh, I think she cared. I think she just had a difficult life situation. Her dad was, well, her faux dad was kind of a mess. Right. And, but people I mean, but with she, faux dads usually don't care that much about family. Right, but she, like, was taking care of him when, I mean, like, she let her life continue to be uprooted every time he'd lose his job. He right. had all those health issues. Like, she stuck by his side. Like, she could have been like, peace out, homie, you're not even my dad, because she knew at that point. Right. But she was committed to taking care of him. Yeah. And seeing it through. So I, I, I think she was just kind of awkward. I mean, she was just an awkward character, and I think, you know, that kind of came out a little bit. <laughs> but, um... I don't know. I, so I liked, I thought it was a creative book. Like I, what I liked about it was I thought that the author, Mr. Straddle did a really interesting job of like, for me, from a writing, from a straight up writing technique, I thought it was really cool how he pieced together these vignettes with the common theme being Eva or Eva. We should probably just decide Eva or Eva. Eva. Okay. Eva. Um, and that, but yet we only really heard from Eva's point of view once. Like every other time it was like either someone who was several degrees away from her or one degree away from her. But yeah, you, by the end you had kind of this sense of her life and, and whatnot. Um, and I disagree. I think it was very food focused. I mean, every single chapter had something to do with food. I know, but it was like, it didn't talk about the food that much. Like the food wasn't the highlight of the chapter. It was like, oh, see, oh here's just... a tomato salsa salad. Oh, see, I totally disagree. Mm. It was all about the food. Like that, like, oh my gosh, it was totally about the food. It wasn't. It was about her like relationship with that guy no, who wanted no, no, to go no, to no, Australia no, no, no. and he liked her because she made good food. And then the jello salad and then oh, it was totally about the churros. food it was like, always it was about just glimpses no it was the food was a central theme in every single story well it was there but it wasn't highly developed like it was in the previous book like my book talked about like mm -hmm. this was passed down from generation to generation and you fold the berries this way right. like that it was like a story of its own the food part of it this was just like there was no recipes. Yes, there was. There was totally recipes in there. Did we read the same book? Were they in the back? No, they were. 
Like, uh, here, I'll show you. I read you. this book like two months ago. Okay. Yeah, because I actually bookmarked. I wanted the um, classic Midwestern cookie bar recipes. They're, they're all through there. And I think... Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, and I think the carrot cake recipe is in there that um, Lars wanted to make for the baby. Um, anyways. I was really sad that Lars died. Oh, I know. I think I was really excited for that development like i thought it was going to be like a father teaches his daughter how to cook book uh-huh see and then they cake. killed him and then i was like i already hate this oh, oh yeah there's recipes all throughout there i just uh. don't feel like it's part of their family because she doesn't really have a family but and see, i liked the family and food oh, relationship see. with the recipe box because it was like yeah Great grandma gave her a recipe box with all the family recipes and their stories related to the recipes of like when I oh, was 18 and I met your grandpa I made these cherry chocolate bars and that's what like it was but, okay but I see that see I, I feel like in a different way I mean, we wouldn't want it to be the same book because then I would just be boring yeah it'd be the exact same book just a different setting and different people yawn you know like the whole point with like the first chapter was how Lars was trying to create her into a little mini foodie when she was a baby. And yeah, like... but then they murdered him. <laughs> so. <laughs> but then food was kept me. You just scared coconut <laughs> off. Poor thing. Oh, funny, funny sidebar. So we've been watching The Haunting of Hill House oh, on Netflix. Oh, scary. Yeah, so we were watching it, and I'm kind of jumpy as anything anyways and so the other night we're watching it and there's this part where this like ghost pops out and i literally scream bloody murder <laughs> like full out ah, for like several seconds and poor coconut literally tucks her tail between her leg her ears go down and yes we're talking about you and runs all the way back here and hides under the chair oh. we're sitting in. And Robert pulled her out and she was like shaking. Oh, <laughs> and she came back out there and she was all like, what happened, mm. mom? Why were you screaming? I was like, oh. I am so sorry, little one. Little fur baby got scared too. Yeah. So anyways, I scared the crap out of my dog. Mm. There's that. Um, well, I guess we're going to have to agree to disagree because I felt like the food was very smartly woven into each story. And I felt like it fit with the overall arc of where it was headed. And, and like, even, um, again, you said it's been a while since you've read it, but at the very end, the meal where Cindy or Cynthia is at, you get the, um, you get the menu. And if you look closely at the menu, it's essentially a homage to the whole story, um, from beginning to end. And I just thought that was super freaking cool. I did think her like creating this random catering business of like a pop-up cater of like, yeah, the pop-up meals. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, can I do that? Can I make <laughs> millions of dollars doing that? Because, like, for example, like, one of the, the grilled venison, so that ties back to the deer story. The sweet pepper jelly ties back to Brock when she found out she was pregnant and she kept getting those weird messages that said green pepper jelly. for the. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> the succotash ties back to the story with the really snobby food people. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I, I loved that. I thought that was really amazing. Um, I think the first one ties back to her, but her dad wanted to feed her. And so, yeah, there's the habanero and the, the third course and Pat's Prager's favorite recipe dessert, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so I, you know, I mean, I guess in a way it's kind of cheesy, but I also liked how the meal itself, that final menu told a story, reflected the story as it had progressed throughout. Oh, the walleye. I mean, that was with the kid out on the date. And right. So I, I, I think it really kind of focused on food throughout. It just did it in a very different way than the recipe box. Yeah. 
Um, and I, and, and like I said, it took me a while to kind of get into it. And then I just thought it was really smart. I thought it was a really smart book and how it put everything together and it wove in family and food. And, mm. and I guess, you know, what I do find ironic is that we both picked books set, set in the Midwest that had a very Midwest feel to them, mm -hmm. which is funny since you've pretty much grown up in Arizona, but I'm yeah. a Midwesterner. So like some of this stuff I'm kind of chuckling at, cause I'm like, Oh yeah. Like, like, you know, again, the bar, the, the cookie, mm -hmm. uh, like the women fighting over the cookie, not really fighting, but competing in the competitions yeah. with those really homey yeah. dessert recipes. Yeah. And, um, I just Googled food books about food mm -hmm. and I feel like it was all Midwesterners. <laughs> yeah. I'm, Cause the other one I was looking at was the coincidence of coconut cake, which I think was also said in like Wisconsin or something like that. Yeah. Well, you know, us Midwesterners, we like our home cooking. It's true. So, <laughs> but yeah, it was, it wasn't for you. That's it okay. It wasn't for me. It was hard to get into, and then Lars died, and then I was just kind of irritated. Oh my gosh! I and can't I believe found Eva you. irritating. Hmm. Well, I don't know. I had um. I had a question. I don't think you're gonna like. You're not gonna like any of my questions. I don't think since you didn't like them. So okay. Well, here's one. So I know you weren't probably a fan of the short stories, mm -hmm. but at the same time. How would the story have worked if it had only been Eva's point of view? Eva, Eva, whatever. I don't think it would have worked. I think it would have worked. I think it would have given us a better understanding of who she was as an individual. Mm. Like why she chose the food that she chose to make for certain situations. Mm -hmm. Was it like she could read the mood or did she just randomly pick something up from the farmer's market and that's how it got developed like we don't know the inner workings of Eva and how she created the food mm -hmm. which I kind of like knowing and mm. I think we would have known that if it was in her perspective don't do it no whereas I feel like I didn't need to know her inner workings I think the story would have been really boring if it had just been from her point of view but she's had such an interesting life. Which we got to see through the eyes of other people. But I think if you have an interesting life, if it's in your perspective, it's probably still going to be interesting. Maybe. I guess I like, I, I think what I was maybe drawn to is I often do kind of like, for lack of a better description, like a chorus of voices. Mm. I, I like having kind of that multi-angled approach to the same I story. I don't like short stories. Mm. It's because you don't get to be... You don't get to understand their inner workings. You don't get immersed. Yeah. Okay. And well, short stories are usually always in third perspective. Not always, no. but but off first first perspective would be from uh, like. Well, you Your have like point the of view. yeah. I mean, you have like the omniscient point of view, which would be just a fly on the wall is telling the story. Yeah. You don't know the narrator. Right. First point of view would be from like one character's point of view. Right third point of view would be from it's not quite the same as omniscient but because it's i think you're outsider involved in the story right yeah i think so we should look this stuff up we should probably know it if we're gonna talk about books so we haven't done english 105 in a very long time <sighs> thank goodness <laughs> all right well uh let's see if i what did you well okay just a general question why does 
food often become such a prominent theme in books? Why, why is food one of those things that we often pull into our stories? How do I eloquently say this? You can do it uneloquently too. It's the one thing that all traditions have in common. And it's the one thing that all brings us together. Okay. Like food is essential for life. Mm -hmm. And so people have for however long have gathered around a table to share a meal with friends and family, mm -hmm. whether it's a celebration or it's a morning or it's just a random Friday night thing. Mm. Food is the one thing that ties us all together. Okay. Okay. At least that's my perspective. Yeah. Most people like food. <laughs> Most people like food. Breaking I think bread. It's like, yeah, you break bread with your neighbors. You break bread with your friends. It's, mm -hmm. It builds relationships. It shares cultures. Sure. It allows us to all get together and be a family. And mm -hmm. I think that's what draws people to having dinner parties, like intimate dinner parties or going out to eat with friends or mm -hmm. Thanksgiving mm -hmm. or Christmas mm -hmm. dinner. I okay. Mean, Thanksgiving for me is not about the history of Thanksgiving. It's literally about <laughs> making good food and sharing it with people that I love. as right. like a way of saying, I love you and I'm thankful for you. Yeah. No, I would agree. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely like food. And so I think I'm always kind of drawn to stories where food is almost its own character in the mm -hmm. book. Which is, I think, with both of ours, it certainly was. Yeah. Even though you don't agree with this one. <laughs> Again, we'll just agree to disagree. All right. Any last thoughts? Mm -mm. I give it a two. <laughs> I give it a solid four. Wow. Yeah. I think it's first. Yeah. Depending on what you're looking for, I think it can be a really fun read in a weird sort of way. Not, not the exact same, but it reminds me of cloud Atlas where like there's these intersecting stories that seem very separate and mm -hmm. disparate, but then you have like these overlap of characters and stuff. So I think that might've been the other reason I, once I kind of that clicked for me, and we know I don't mind a good short story here and there if it's good. So true, true. Um, these are more like little mini novellas. <laughs> they were, yeah, they weren't like short, short. <laughs> mini novellas. <laughs> I swear, you killed Lars within the second chapter, and I just don't like you. Wow, it was really upsetting. See, I wasn't bothered by Lars going away. He, oh, I found I him. Wanted him to like lose some weight and like be the sexy dad and be like my daughter is gonna be a freaking mini chef with me on one of those little things that you put up to the counter so children can help cut and a stool yeah well no they have like child safety ones now oh geez so that children don't fall over and die when they're helping their parents eat their food <laughs> this is why we're not parents we don't know what that thing is called yeah it's like a shoebox but with rails that you a shoebox with roll rails. up to the, the thing and they can stand there. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, I wasn't that invested in Lars. He was only there for like a chapter. So nobody liked him. See, I was like, meh. I was, yeah. Tomatoes. The tomato scene. <laughs> oh, like, when they were just so innocently adorable. When they were at the farmer's market. Yeah. And, yeah. So um. well, I think he would have been a sweet father. But here's the reality is based on the way the book was written. Even if they hadn't like killed Lars off, he you probably he would have just been a peripheral secondary character. Maybe or maybe I don't know. I mean, based on the way the book is written, that was his that was his story, and he would have just maybe been in the background. I'm just saying. I don't like it. Well, well, maybe we should talk about what's coming up next. What's coming up next? <laughs> 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 
was a very sad story. <laughs> so first of all, so this is Curie's genre pick. Yeah, it was historical fiction. Historical fiction. I love me some historical fiction. As do I. We and can agree on that. We Yay! can agree on that. <laughs> and the story that I picked is The Tattooist of Auschwitz. Auschwitz. Which is a historical true thing with some embellishments of yes yeah but she the author i'm forgetting her name right now she did actually interview the two mm -hmm. main characters so um it should be a good read we will see until next time have a good one hey book friends we hope you enjoyed our conversation today thanks for listening along with us head over to our podcast site to share your recommendations and your opinions with us on the books we have read that website is booksandteapodcast.com it's also where you will find our podcast show notes with a full list of titles for the books, along with our favorite tea and what we mentioned today. If you are on any social media, feel free to stop by our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter accounts. You will find those links on our website. To be the first to hear about the next new podcast and what we are working on, make sure you are signed up to our newsletter. 